A Confession After spending a good amount of time staring blankly over these chapters, feeling uninspired to write commentary about them, I decided that there was nothing else for me to do but confess my lack of inspiration, and to try and explain it. I suppose some amount of ebb and flow of enthusiasm is what you signed up for when you agreed to read with me. My goal is to guide you through a curated collection of worthwhile works, and to mine what value I can from within them. But there will inevitably be times that we arrive at chapters about which I just don't have a lot to say. My apologies in advance to Frankenstein lovers when I say that in these particular chapters, I became exasperated with the overwhelming angst of it all. With Frankenstein again falling into months of fevered delirium, raving confessions, and tortured dreams, with his repeated proclamations that he was the most miserable of men, and lamentations that he did not succumb to death, with his renewed resolutions that he would, this time he really would, engage the demon in mortal combat and bring about cosmic justice for his awful crimes with his idle contemplation of surrendering himself to the law or bringing about an end to his existence, with his longing to confess his secret and his helpless resolution that to do so was impossible, with hearing him bemoan, again, his gloomy and black melancholy, his horror, agony, torture, and wretchedness, and the guilt that allows him no peace and will pursue him until death. I felt mired in his languor. But I will also confess that I don't remember feeling this way the first time I read it. I can think of a few possible reasons for the difference. It might be that the first time I was too caught up in the turns of the plot to be overly focused on the pitifulness of the narrator. Frankenstein's arrest, the murder of Clerval, the arrival of his father, his exoneration, the voyage home, his marriage to Elizabeth. Since this time I knew what was coming, it allowed me greater opportunity to focus on the continuous, woeful lamentations that punctuate the plot. It might also be the development of a more distinct personal taste. I do admire this novel. I do think it's a valuable one for us to have in our literary repertoire and there are elements of it that transport me, especially the poetry of the language, the grand beauty of the descriptions, and the haunting imaginativeness of the plot. But the pronounced languidness and melancholy are not my style. And that relates to the third possible reason. I think most of you know that I just returned from a literary pilgrimage to the Basque region of France and Spain, where I went to walk in the footsteps of Edmond Rostand. It was divine. It was bliss. It made me fall all the more deeply in love with Rostand and his work. And the difference between Rostand and Frankenstein feels a bit like the difference between soaring through the heavens and slogging through a swamp. It's a captivating swamp, described with haunting poetry, but still, I'll take heaven. I'll offer you just a single example by way of comparison. 
I've been translating a 20-page poem by Rostand, written in tribute to Victor Hugo on the centenary of his birth, called Un Soir à Hernani. Hugo had traveled through the village of Hernani as a child and was captivated by it. It inspired the title of his great and defiantly romantic play by the same name. The poem is an account of Rostand's own pilgrimage to that village, where everywhere he feels the reverberating presence of the soul of Hugo. When Rostand arrives at the top of a hill overlooking the land, he encounters an old shepherd. Pointing down, he asks him, What is that village? And then, he says, he waits, with a chill down his spine, tears in his eyes, and enthusiasm in his soul, for the old man to pronounce the word he had come there expressly to hear. There, in the majesty of the twilight, in his sonorous and guttural voice, the old man says, with a wild and rolling R that vibrates like an iron maquila, and with vowels that prolong and sing and solemnize, Ernani. That is just a single glimpse of the passionate, rhapsodic, joyful, venerating character of this and all of Rostand's works. It is a world I never want to leave. I hope I have not alienated devotees of Frankenstein, because I don't mean to disparage it. It certainly has merits of its own. But I do hope I've motivated you to read Rostand. With me. Next. <laughs>